All right, we're going to go right to some scriptures and look on, on the board or on the screen and read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. It is Jesus teaching us the Lord's Prayer. The disciples had said, hey, uh, John taught his guys to pray. And, uh, you know, we've been with you for a while and you haven't taught us to pray. And, uh, and in the first session of this series, I explained why. He wanted people to pray who want to pray. Very big key. You know, we can, we can have fasting and prayer twice a year in, in January. And then I also believe in August. And, and you can set it out. But the point is, is, is if you don't want to pray, your prayer is not going to be received. You've got to want to pray. <laughs> How do you know that sometimes in our lives, our prayer desire ratchets up according to the, the distress we're in? And, and we go through some distress, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I really want to pray. God is saying, hey, I would really like you to pray more than just in distressing times, because I not only can dig you out of a, of, of a tube and out of uh, the bottom of a well, but I want to build a tower of your life. I want to give you a great life, and it's going to happen because you desire to pray, and you're putting your trust in God with your prayers. And so Jesus didn't just up and teach him to pray until they were begging for the answer, because they saw the power of prayer working in his life. And they said, cut us in, Lord. And so here we go. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15 says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or to be revered, sanctified, set as holy, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I want you to note that we're going to, right here, we're going to deal with forgiveness. And so, first time, we're going to see that this is going to come up again at the end of this prayer, where Jesus reminds us of that prayer to forgive uh, our, our sins as, or in proportion to how we forgive others. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Now, I want you to see that, you know, who invented math? <laughs> The Lord did. You know, one of, the, one of the things that people will tell you about math, math is a, close to a perfect science that there is because those principles are, they just don't vary. You know, two plus two doesn't become four and a half. Two plus two will always be four. And so mathematics are very exact. And we see that, uh, that the Lord uses some math here. He uses percentages and he, he also uses like an algebraic uh, equation. The first time he says, forgive us our debts as or in proportion as how we forgive others around us. So I'm really up and mad at someone. So I want 90% of your guilt to be in your face. I only forgive you 10%. Uh-oh, we just sent to heaven a prayer. Only forgive 10% of our failures. That's a rough percentage. 
And then we see almost another equal um, algebraic e equation here. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. In something this important, the Lord wanted to be very scientific, very emphatic, and double repeat. I want you to catch what the gospel offer is. I will freely forgive your sins while you're completely blinded by your trespass. And when preaching and the gospel opens your heart to call for the forgiveness of, of Jesus, I will take the blood of Jesus, I'm speaking for the Father, and I will wash away your sins, never to be remembered. Your part of the equation is to receive that and then play nice in the sandbox with others around you. That you will find road rash in this life. I don't know, have any of you been to America recently? We have problems here. We have problems in the return line at Walmart. We have problems. We just picked on ourselves and scheduled fasting for 21 days, and I find out that that's a problem. I want to pig out it in and out, and instead I'm Daniel fasting. Some people think only they have problems. Only they've been betrayed. Only they've been beat up. Only they've been raped. Only they've been swindled. Only they've been slandered. Only they. That's why narcissism is such a scary sociological and psychological problem. Narcissists and sociopaths are very sensitive to their own pain, but not the pain of those around them. But the Bible teaches that you're going to be offended. You're, 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 you had a trillion dollar debt that God forgave you of and yet you want to like really run it home about that $15,000 of ripoff. I just hate them. They hurt me. I hate them. They hurt me. Whoa. Twice Jesus in handling quite a bit I look at the Lord's Prayer, and it's perfect prayer. In fact, we're going to have a little slide here. We're using the acronym PRAY out of the Lord's Prayer. First P is praise. We enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Prayer should always be, leave your nagging till later. There's plenty of time to nag. Lord, before I praise you, I want you to know what a drag my life is. I could just see the Father. Holy Spirit, it's another, it's another boring one. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, and you know, you don't understand that sorry man that you gave me. Oh, God, take him or me. No, him, please. <laughs> Praise. Praise. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Even when you're going through hell, even when you know that at the end of this, you're going to pour out your heart, even as David said, even pour out your complaint, but do it in time. 
Don't come trotting in like some disadvantaged person that has no standing before God. You're a child of the king. This is your dad, and he's not broke. He's not disabled. He's not unable to defend you. He's not unable to answer your prayer. So don't come in there like a whiner. Come in like a winner. Even when you feel like you're losing every battle. We praise. And then we repent. We live a life of repentance. The Greek word for repent is metanoia. It means to change the mind. A lot of people, well, I want to act really contrite. Don't act contrite. Be contrite. I don't care. You don't have to cry and snot all over the altar. Just get, do your business with God and change. Just don't do. That which was sin, do not, no, not ever, never. Leave it. Drain the swamp of sin and compromise. Don't put on a show for the saints. Put on a show for God by a changed mind. How many of you really are sick of the world? I'm done with, with that bad date. When you break up, stay broke up. Don't get reconnected again. Repent. Repentance is a state that a believer should always walk in. The third one is ask. Ask boldly what you want. And then finally, yield. So this, this week we're focusing on this concept of repent, tying it with this asking of forgiveness. Because there's been nothing more that I've had to repent over consistently is getting mad and bitter. Let me just share... Since I can't tell all your bad stories, I'll share one of mine. I got wounded in my mind and hurt by the guys I love the most. I'm a part, and we as a church have been apart from our foundation of a Bible Temple and, 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 our, and our movement. We named our uh, Pastoral Association Ministers Fellowship International. And so there was some pushing and shoving and this and that going on among the brethren. And, uh, and I got, got hurt, bitter. And uh, so finally, I realized that every time I'd go to the, the National Convention in Portland, I was leaving, and just, <laughs> frogs leaping out and serpents <laughs> crawling out of my mouth. <laughs> Metaphorically, not literally. <laughs> Kids, whoa, Dad, Pastor Steve had snakes coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Metaphorically, sweetie. Have any of you had those metaphorical crazy things and frogs? Ah, you know, hi, let's fellowship. Ah, frogs, you know. This prayer meeting is going to be weird, you know. And so I have a good friend who, incidentally, is going to be one of the prophets, Pastor uh, Steve Williams. And Steve is pastoring in, was pastoring in Albuquerque at the time. And so he and I are good friends. And let me define what a good friend is. A good friend doesn't just support you while you're insane. A good friend gets up in your business. They front you when you're being crazy. Steve's a good friend. So I had withdrawn and I did it as carefully as a bitter person can do. I had sent letters and, and, and things for six months before I finally withdrew. And when I withdrew, withdrew, I didn't try to potty all over the fellowship. In fact, I kept, we kept supporting MFI missionaries. We kept, I kept counseling MFI pastors, kept doing what I could do to help the brethren. I, I was, as I referred to later, a non-paying MFI member, non-dues paying, okay? And I would call Steve who's pastoring in Albuquerque, and I'd say, Steve, 
they did this, 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 and this happened, and this hurt me. And he go, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then I go, so you agree with me? He said, no, I don't. You're wrong. Your spirit is wrong. You're full of bitterness. You're not forgiving. And I would go, I hate you, Williams. Click. <laughs> How many you know old phones were better than the new ones? I mean, you don't want to do that with your, your iPhone 11. <laughs> no, I'm really bitter, you know? But the old phones, they were, they were clunky. You could use them as a weapon. Some of my sisters used them as weapons against their husbands. And you know, <laughs> mama said, knock you out, you know. So anyway, but don't ask any of them, especially not Cindy about any of that. Don't ask her. <laughs> For you visitors, I've got sisters, literal sisters in the church, which means they believe I'm a forgiven man. So... <laughs> And so I would, I, would, I would hang up from Steve, and then I'd call him in a week or two, and I'd, I'd go through my litany of problems. And he'd go, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. So you agree with me? Nope. You're wrong. You're wrong in your spirit. And finally, the Holy Spirit worked in me. Because I will tell you this, you aren't going to cure the world around you. Think about Jesus. Went through the most unfair situation. When you're bitter, when you're unforgiving, many times it's not based on a total lie. You may have been that little girl that a family member molested or your own father. When I think of what people have walked through, uh, it tears me up. And my first response when I hear crazy stuff is I want to go kill someone. I know I shouldn't be speaking today. <laughs> but people in this house have been wounded in ways that we just don't have time to go into. And it wouldn't be profitable. Because no matter how unfair life has been against you, the rules stay the same for relationship with the Father. I will forgive you so that you can forgive others. He forgives us first. And then we have got to turn and say, it's over. I forgive. I release the judgment. Now watch this. Many people think if you forgive, that person got off scot-free. Not, not unless, there's, unless God is dead. He keeps the books. I found that every knuckle-headed stupid thing that, that I've done, uh, they've all been coming back to bite me. How many found out that even getting saved, you still get rebound from some of the dumb stuff you did prior? And so when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that God doesn't round them up. But what it means is you are taking away your claim to now act like God. Because he's the one who, who is, is the great judge of uh, everyone. I'm pausing right now because my, my iPad died on me. There it is. It's back. Some of you are going, oh, good. That means the message is over. No, you're not, I'm not done with you. <laughs> we have a skewed accounting system. 
when it comes to sin. When we sin, it's just a small thing that should be easily forgiven and forgotten. We undervalue our sins. When someone else sins against us, it's a huge thing and needs to be dealt with. We overvalue other sin. Now, Jesus gives the teaching about that, that trillion dollar debt or, or billion dollar debt that forgiveness is, salvation is. It's like a debt, a lifetime debt that could only be resolved by eternal punishment. That is paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And so I'm receiving very happily the billion-dollar contribution into my account. Lord, thank you that I have eternal life. I thank you, God, that I'm going to be, you know, in heaven with you eternally. Put that on a dollar amount. And then all of a sudden, someone has given me $15,000 worth of distress. Or maybe you've got three beautiful children and he walked away. And everybody in your world says, yeah, that was really cruddy. And it was. But sometimes you have to say, Lord, heal me. And I thank you for the, the genetics of those three beautiful children. And move on. So we see that forgiveness is an act of the will of the believer. The sinner, the sinner can be improved by forgiving people. And even people that aren't Christian will talk about the power of forgiveness. But there's nothing like having your debt paid in full and the beauty of someone else's. I've heard many people say, this wasn't fair. This wasn't fair. Why did God bless this one person and everything seems to come up cherries and mine, I keep pulling lemons. I was thinking about fairness one time when my baby uh, Natalie was like an eight, nine-year-old little girl. And I was in my office and I read either on the internet about a little girl her age that was pulled off kidnapped from San Diego and pulled off into the mountains and tortured sexually to death. And I said, God, I'm glad it's not fair. Because if one little girl got pulled off and murdered like that, then to be fair, all little girls should have been pulled off and murdered. So I think it's ridiculous among Christians that we keep wondering what's fair. What would be fair is for you and I to be eternally thrown into hell. But favor ain't fair, and God has favored us by forgiveness. And so when we find out that people legitimately aren't fair to us, our challenge is get over it. Let me tell you what I felt like when I've walked in unforgiveness. I felt like the person that was given great plates of food, but my taste buds were off. I found no pleasure. I found no pleasure in what I ate. I found no pleasure in, in music and things that give me great joy because my life was tainted by this, this, this bitterness in the water that I drank. Am I, am I talking anywhere that any human here could maybe relate to? I think Jesus thought it was a human condition. He brings it up twice. Forgiveness doesn't always immediately bring the funk down on the bad person. Even if you find out later they weren't the bad person. Many times I've been bitter towards people and found out it was me that was the bad person. 
I have discovered the enemy and discovered it was we, it was me. But when, when, when you find that you can get the reset button and quit being bitter towards your husband or your wife or quit being bitter towards your parents, there are some people that are bitter towards parents that are dead. And they're still trying to prove, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not lazy. I'm not going to be worthless. Well, you are going to be worthless if you're trying to do everything you can do in your own strength. The best thing is to say, Lord, let those, those words not be held against them, Father, in the judgment. Lord, I know that you value me, and I'm going to live to prove to you, Father, that I want to cling to you, and you'll build my life. I'm not going to answer to the accusers that might not even be here. So we see that, that repentance is recognizing we have sinned, receiving God's forgiveness, and then turning from our sin and walking a new life. We are forgiven, and we are forgiving. Watch this. Say it with me. We are forgiven, we are forgiven. and we are forgiving. We are forgiven. Now, now I, I'm not going to ask you to repeat, and we're considering forgiving. I'm going to, because we're going to do business with God in a little bit. We are forgiven, and we are forgiving. Relationships enjoy just improved by 30% immediately. Stay close to me. I'll offend you. Ask him. No, no, don't ask her. Okay. <laughs> David, a beautiful picture of someone who understood forgiveness. You know, there are times in the Bible that I cry. Number of times in the Bible that I cry. Every time I read the Bible, I cry and I'm mad when David falls into sin with Bathsheba. And every time I read the Bible, he still does it. Knucklehead. Could you imagine David? Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in the heavens. That? That's in, 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 in the Bible? And, you, and here's David around. Hey, David, you know, pretty good life, man. Sweet psalmist of Israel. But that one thing, that was really stupid, you idiot. Think of David. He's, it's in the Bible. And I, I'm, I cry when I read it. Oh, God. How could he fall so far to, you know, seduce his... his uh, uh, one of his mighty men's wives, and then has him killed and then covers it. But when Nathan the prophet fronted him and did a Steve Williams, you are the man. David, who could have offered 10,000 sheep for sacrifice, realizes that God's concept of repentance, it's a broken and a contrite heart. Have mercy on me, O oh God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. 
But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. St. Augustine or St. Augustine said, Forgiveness is the remission of sins. For it is by this that what has been lost and was found is saved from being lost again. Think about that beauty when Jesus saved you. Remember how clean you felt, how free you felt? You weren't mad at anybody. You wanted to do like that song we're singing. We were falling in love with him. And we couldn't wait to tell people about how free we were and what the beauty of forgiveness was. But then when we walk in unforgiveness, we're risking that. We're risking our relationship with God. Paul David Tripp said this, the church is not a theological classroom. It is a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center where flawed people place their faith in Christ, gather to know and love him better, and learn to love others as he designed. Do I have any other flawed people besides just myself? We're flawed people. Sometimes the runner stumbles. People make big errors. And God couldn't live without them. How much did he love them? He stretched out his arms and he died. God, through Jesus, would rather be dead than live without his banished ones, his unforgiven ones, his non-compliant ones. And so today... We're just going to deal with some personal business after I deal with inviting people to faith today. And we're going to have some time to just pray and clear out all of that, those clogged pipes. Last service, there was a great number of people that said, hey, I've got to do some business. There's some people that I'm holding in unforgiveness. Sometimes relationships are born in unforgiveness. Maybe you're bitter about your ex-husband and you brought that same bitterness and you're, you're, you're invoicing your new husband with the same garbage that the other one could never pay or would never pay. The Lord wants us to really, really, really not lose what he's wanting to give us. He's wanting to give us an abundant life, quality of life while we live on this earth. And we're going to take some time to pray. But right now, would you close your eyes and bow your head? I'm talking to all of you that came into this place looking for a change of life and new birth. People come in week after week and they're saying, I need God. I need salvation. If you're here today and you say, I want to join God, because that's all that can happen. He did all the heavy lifting, paid for all your sins. So all you can do is say, I'm in. Lord, would you, would you save me? Would you forgive me? Maybe you're thinking that your, your load of sin is too great. I want to tell you something. Jesus can save 
the most vile of transgressors. He's forgiven murderers, immoral, thieves, betrayers. No matter what, what your bondage area has been, he can forgive you. If you're here today and say, I want to join God. I want to be a part of God's family. Right now, every one of you, raise your hand. I want to just take, take, take note of it. Okay? I see some hands in the back. Come on now. I see more hands. I see another hand here. Come on now. I see a number of hands over here. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. That's a good decision to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible said if you'll call on his name, you'll be saved. So we're going to pray. Let's all pray this together. Dear Father, I thank you that you forgave us by sending Jesus to be the payment for our sins. I ask you, Father, to forgive me of my sin, to make me a part of your family. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling, save me today, save me now. You said if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame from my life. Dear God, I want to be in your family. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. If you'll be my savior, I'll be your servant. I receive you today, dear Father, in Jesus' name, amen.